Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Tuesday, June 6th, 2023. I am Dave Biddle, very happy to joined by Steve Hellwagon. Dan Rubin and I had to switch some days. I had some uh, things going on yesterday. Um, happy to be joined by Steve. As you can see from the title of the show, Steve and I are going to do a deep dive on the Buckeyes' D-line this year. Steve, just let's start off with your overall thoughts on this defensive line. Um, what do you expect out of the Buckeyes' D-line overall this fall? I am cautiously optimistic that they are going to be more of an impact unit than they have been in the last couple of seasons. I think what we saw in the spring uh, with a lot of negative plays turned in by the defense on the three big practice days that we were able to attend, and in each of those they scrimmaged anywhere from 60 to 100 plays, uh, the defense in two of them was very dominant. I think the offense got the better of the defense one of those three days and did a better job of pass protection on that, on that one single day. But there was one practice where I think there were 10 negative plays out of a hundred or 80 or a hundred. And that's not a very good ratio. Obviously you translate that to a game, you're giving up four or five sacks and you can't do that with a young quarterback. First of all, going to get them banged up. Secondly, uh, going to put them behind and down distance and now they've got to go out and try and force and make a play. And even with Marvin Harrison Jr., that can be a little bit much for a young quarterback. So uh, to me, uh, I thought the defensive line was outstanding in the spring, and I'm cautiously optimistic that they are going to translate some of that production and pressure as much as anything. Too often, Dave, the last couple of years, we've watched opposing quarterbacks Standing there for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and they've had all day to unload the ball. And, you know, you can't ask your secondary to cover for more than about three or four seconds. So, uh, to me, um, they have got to get pressure on the opposing quarterback, and it starts up front, obviously. When you look at this D-line, what do you expect the strength of this unit will be? Oh, man. Uh, 
I think the edge rushing is going to be really, really good, but that's not to say that the interior can't also be really, really good. We saw times where they were collapsing the pocket up the middle, shoving the center and the guards back into the quarterback. But primarily what we saw in the spring were guys shot out of a cannon coming off the edge. Guys like, I mean, Kenyatta Jackson to me was probably the most impressive of the group. And I only say that because JT Tui Malowal was probably on a pitch count as in keep him in bubble wrap type thing. Like they would go to 11 on 11 and he'd be out there for like the very first series. And then it was like, you just watch the rest of this, bud, because we know you're good. We know you're good. We know what you can do. And we don't want you breaking an ankle with somebody falling on top of you, et cetera, et cetera, in a big scrum, you know, no. His contact 11 on 11 was limited. And, you know, I mean, you saw in the Penn State game last year, he's got the ability to Michael Jordan, you know, a game at some point and just take it over. And is he going to do that every Saturday? Probably not. But if he does it two or three Saturdays and one or two of them are the biggest games of the year, then, then I'm all here for that. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm all there for that. Or we, and I probably will be there with the exception of the Purdue game, which I am not going to this year. But uh, breaking yeah. news Steve is missing a, a game home or road. That's crazy. Yes. First time in over 20, almost 21 years because my niece is getting married in Maryland. Say, who's, get, who's making the mistake of getting married on an Ohio State football Saturday? Well, not, these, I was going to say, it better not have been one of your daughters doing that, Steve. No, these folks are not the uh, the biggest Ohio State people in the world. They, uh, she's a Miami grad and her husband, uh, he he's from New Jersey originally. So this is not like, you know, preordained in their blood, but well. at any rate. She should know better. She's, her blood, she went to, she's from Ohio. She should know better. She's related to you. You're her uncle. I know. Okay. It's well, all, well, well I, yeah. I, will stop, I will stop slandering your niece. Okay. Yeah. You're going to miss a Ohio good people. Game. Breaking news. We'll still have the Murph dog there. Murph okay. will be there. Um, in beautiful West Lafayette, Indiana. Ross Gate uh, Stadium. Garden okay. Spot, gonna, this is going to be my next question. Oh, but he's got a little bit more detail. I was going to ask you what you think the weakness Possible weakness. I don't see a glaring weakness on this D-line for sure. I think they're going to be really, really good. Um, where goes one on YouTube? Oh, Will the yeah. weakness be stopping the run? Now, I was just going to say, Dave, in my chat yesterday, people were all wrapped around the axle. Is Ohio State losing its edge against Michigan? Has Michigan surpassed Ohio State? Is they need to go? Does Marathi need to go? Do they not understand the rivalry? Are we too soft? Does Marathi not have them ready, you know, all this other BS. And, I mean, since Mickey Marotti is there, he came with Urban in 2012. I counted it up. In the 11 years that he's been on the staff, they are 90 and 7 in big in games against Big Ten. Nine, 90, and they have won 90 of the last 97 games. And eight they have played 90 and 7 against big Ten, they are 90 and seven do i have to repeat it against big 10 opponents <laughs> they are 90 and on staff you are winning 93 percent of your big 10 games that's a pretty that's eight and one every year and you're either in the championship game every other year or whatever At any rate i do firmly believe however the entire season comes down to the second half of the game at the University of Michigan 
And whether or not Ohio State's defensive front six, as it is, the four linemen, the two linebackers, and maybe a safety six and a half, will they stop? Will they contain Blake Corum? He is fabulous. We saw all season long till he got hurt. He was one of the three or four best running backs in college football. No doubt about it. And they've got the people up front to move you. Can Ohio State in the second half of that game, let's say it's like, I think I think when they played there two years ago, it was like 20 to 20 at halftime or something stupid. You know, it was like, it was like a virtual dead, even, you know, they had butted heads for two quarters and then Michigan just lined up and blew them off the ball seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 yards a chunk in the second half. The whole season for Ohio State comes down really simple. Comes down to the second half at Michigan. Will the front four stop the run? That's it. That's the entire season right there. You nailed it. You nailed it. And great question. We don't know. We don't know. Where goes one? They're going to beat up on, you know, everybody that they play. I mean, there's Indiana. No. I mean, there's nobody Ohio State plays with the exception of maybe Penn State, maybe Wisconsin on the road. Maybe Maybe Notre Notre Dame. Dame on the road. Those three games. I can't think of anybody else who's going to give them a challenge. So, I mean, this Ohio State team's ready. But are they really ready for what they're going to see in game 12? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Breakout star. If we had to say there's going to be a breakout star this year, and I I don't, I don't, and JT Tumalo accounts, what he did last year, he showed flashes of being a superstar. I mean, a guy that we're going to have doesn't necessarily have to have a Chase Young season, but borderline on that. Do you see a guy becoming a breakout star this year? For me, it would be Tui Molowau, but I also think Tyleek Williams has a chance. Mike Hall has a chance to be that. Maybe a Kenyatta Jackson. I'm going to go with Tui Molowau. He's got the entire package. I think it's his money year. It's his junior year. Um, this kid is a leader. And, we again, we saw flashes of it last year. I mean, the Penn State game wasn't just a flash. It was just he just took over that game and won the game for him in the fourth quarter. Is there going to be a breakout star this year, Steve Hellwagon, and who will it be? Well, Tui Malowal is a great pick, preseason All-American, and if he can build off what he did in that one game, and as I say, be a little bit more consistent and flash like that in one or two of the big games, then you've got to love Ohio State's chances. But I, I like this guy on here, number 97, Hollywood, Florida, Chaminade, Madonna Prep, didn't play uh, enough plays last year to even count it as a uh, eligibility year. He's got four years of eligibility left, 6'5", 252, shot out of a cannon all spring long, coming off the edge, Kenyatta Jackson, defensive end. I think he's got the potential uh, to be that kind of a breakout guy that comes from nothing, you know, this past year. Um, I was trying to think about this. They've got some guys on defense that are in the same category. Um you know, Caden Curry did get to play a little bit last year. Uh, you know, uh, Hero Canoe, if he's healthy, you know, in the interior could be a guy to watch. I agree with Tyleek Williams. Uh, Mike Hall kind of really uh, did some big things last year. So uh, they've got some guys. I'm trying to look off that uh, recruiting class. On the defensive line, Jason Moore is a national top 100 player, 6'6", 280. And uh, they don't have a list. 
And, and LJ LJ told us he's up to 295 now already. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I think he's a guy that's going to just help. And, of course, it doesn't hurt that you added the uh, the transfer uh, from Ole Miss, Taiwan Malone, a guy that they wanted to have out of high school. Wasn't he from New Jersey, I think? Does yeah. that sound right? Yep. And uh, it was Ohio State and Ole Miss, and he went down to Ole Miss. And uh, now he's uh, in the fold at Ohio State, and he's going to help too. So they've got bodies. They've mm-hmm. got bodies. Larry Johnson will rotate these bodies in and out. And everyone's like, who's going to start? Who's going to start? Who's going to start? Well, let's just worry about, you know, when it's third and eight in the third quarter, do you have the right four guys on the field to get off the field? That's that's what that's what you uh, – I want to see – Dave, I want to see pressure in the quarterback's face where he makes a mistake and throws one up for grabs because they haven't intercepted a pass since the uh, – the first Bush administration, I don't think. So <laughs> it's it's been a couple years, you know. Um, you know, the late great Sonny Gordon was intercepting seven and eight passes a year. Uh, you know, may he rest in peace. What a great Buckeye he was from the time I was an Ohio State uh, student. But uh, need to get more game changing plays on D, more turnovers, create more turnovers. That's something that the front's got to be a part of. This is what I was going to ask you about this as well. I mean, do you think Tyleek Williams, we have a question from YouTube. Do you think Tyleek Williams will play more this year? I mean, I, I think he will, and I think he has to, especially in big moments, like you said. LJ is going to use a deep rotation, and he's got the horses to do it this year. I thought he played guy. I mean, Teron Vincent leading the defensive tackles in snaps last year was just awful. His dad worked for the NFL, and he didn't get an invite didn't to the combine. I mean, that tell you everything you need to know. Didn't get drafted to the, didn't get invited to the combine. Doesn't get drafted, and he's starting at Ohio State over like guys that are whatever. Anyway, is Tyleek Williams going to be a guy as a junior now um, that's going to play a lot? I think he will. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, he's one of your top two or three guys there. To me, it was like Hamilton, Tyleek Williams, and Mike Hall kind of set themselves apart. I thought uh, during the uh, the spring in. Yet, you know, there are some other guys there who are who are coming along, who are learning, who are getting better. And it's just going to take reps and it's going to take time to develop them. But they've got the material. They've got the talent. I think Malone is a guy now that he's, get, you know, giving up on baseball, it, it would seem, is going to be a, a, a put a, a football first type, you know, guy. I think that can only help him. And help his ability. I think he's got NFL body, NFL, you know, ability. It's just got to get it out of him on the Saturday afternoons in the fall. So, uh, you know, you got to make plays. That's the whole thing. And there haven't been enough plays made up front on defense for Ohio State the last couple of years. All right. I'm putting you on the spot, but I get asked this all the time. I'm sure oh, and he asked about G. Scott. G. Scott. Oh, yeah, G. Scott. I think he's in the mix at tight end. I think it's Stover. He and Royer are probably the top three. And, and uh, you know, for G, it's just a matter of consistency. When they call his number, he's got to catch the ball. When, when they want him to, you know, block the defensive end or block the outside linebacker, he's got to do it. And if he does, you know, if he, if he does what he's supposed to do, Kevin Wilson liked him. There just wasn't a lot of uh, opportunity to play him. You know, they didn't go a lot of too tight end, some, you know, and – in your mind, Dave, did they go less too tight end last year just because 
you know, they had Stover and Ruckert the year before, but they didn't, they didn't have that. I mean, if it was, if it wasn't Mitch Rossi, they really didn't go Stover and Royer, Stover and Scott a whole lot. I would need to look at it. I think you're right. I think there was less of it last year, but I don't think it was markedly less than we saw in 2021 because I do remember seeing Stover and Rossi out there together a decent amount in 12 personnel. You're yeah. right. Not as much as the previous year um, with Ruckert. Was it Ruckert and Rossi usually? Because was, was Stover still playing defense then? I get it confused. No, yeah. Sto- Stover didn't move to defense till the Rose Bowl. That's right. That's right. He did play tight end for most of the – that's right. Yeah. Then he played linebacker in the Rose Bowl and actually played well. That boy is just a football player. Just throw him out there. Literally, Mr. Football in the state of Ohio when he was in high school. Farm boy. Him and his dad raising cattle and selling beef. Stover Farms. Yeah, so here's what I think is going to happen to tight end. Cade Stover's number one. We all know that. I'm thrilled he's coming back. I know he was thinking about leaving. Coming back as a fifth-year senior. Coming off a big year. Um, I think he'll be more consistent catching the ball now. Kind of like what you're talking about with Tywon Malone. Like we're talking about tight ends when we're doing a deep dive on the D-line. But it's like we were saying with Tywon Malone, now that he's just focused on football and not baseball, that's going to help him as a football player. Cade Stover now in his, let's say, third, uh, you know, at least second full year being a tight end, that's going to help him. Uh, I think he's going to have a big year. And Joe Royer, I'm hearing really good things about Joe Royer. Right? He's going to be the number two. And then G. Scott's going to be that number three with Jelani Thurman knocking at the door. That is a big young man. How do they keep that boy off the field? How do they keep that man off the field? I, I have big hands, and I shook this man's hand at this NIL event at the at Schottenstein put on, and like his he about like like broke my hand. He's got giant hands to go along with his just giant frame. He looks huge out there. Okay, anyway, back to D line. I get asked this all the time. I'm sure you do as well. Is this going to be Larry Johnson's last year, in your opinion? Man, the words the words I'm going to use are not not the way I want to put this, but like they tried to retire him two years ago and he didn't want to go. And so now, you know, <clears throat> I don't know. And that's probably a, an impolite way of saying it, but no. I think I think that they just felt that they wanted to have an entirely clean sweep on defense and you know, replace all the coaches, and he was the one who stuck around for whatever reason. I think that the defensive line needs to work up. I think they've got to have a good year. I don't think there can be any sacred cows when you're trying to win a national championship. If they think somebody else can come in and do it better, then that's the direction they got to go. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not campaigning for him to stay, go, or whatever. You just want – the production and the recruiting to be what it needs to be. A lot of years it is. Once in a while it hasn't been, but, you know, on the whole, you know, the players believe in him. He's a spiritual uh, leader as much as he is a guy who's taught these guys the game of football. You know, I'll go back to Nick and Joey Bosa. They were outstanding when they arrived at Ohio State, just as like, and again, this is an impolite way of saying this, a piece of meat. And he – molded those guys into what they became. And the same with Chase Young. He he took – and this is where the value of the scholarship, to me, gets lost on a lot of moms and dads and kids who are – they need to pay the players. They need to – you know, the scholarship isn't worth anything. Bull crap. That man's expertise – you know, Nick and Joey Bosa came in as five-star talents from high school to college. They left as NFL first – three pick NFL draft picks 
because Larry Johnson and Mickey Marotti poured everything they had into those guys and made them the transition from great high school player to great college player to great NFL player. And they finished them off. And so his track record speaks for itself. How long does he want to do it for? I was speaking at an Agonis Club meeting the day before a Penn State game, and his son, Tony Johnson, who played at Penn State, was there to speak as well. And Tony said, we're all Ohio State now. You know, we're family. You know, our family is, you know, Ohio State. You know, and some of that had to do with how Larry was done at the end of the Paterno era at Penn State. Just he wasn't given much of a, of a run there as a, as a, as a potential to replace, you know, Paterno as the head coach. They which, needed a clean house though. They could yeah, have they, they needed a clean system. break. Even though they Larry probably, had nothing to do with that. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. Larry had nothing to do with that. I haven't heard one person ever even opine that he knew anything. Um, yeah. But yeah. You, I, there's no way you could have had a, a Paterno assistant take over that program. Tony's, Tony's point was he'll be done when uh, Tony's mom and Larry's wife you know, says you're done, you know, you are, you're, we're not doing this anymore. So that was kind of the way and she's apparently on board with him continuing to work. He's, I think he's late sixties or getting close to 70, right around that, that right. he's been in football his entire life. And, you know, it's kind of like, like John gear, you know, and an officer and a gentleman, you know, where, where I have nowhere else to go, you know, and I don't want to <laughs> say he's in a dire strait or anything like that, but I just think that uh, this is his life, and he loves being around these guys. They keep him young. What I love is, you know, you go to the game, and the players are still in the locker room, and they're getting ready to come out for warm-ups, and Larry comes out about five minutes early, and they're pumping the jam, and Larry's out there bopping and, you know, having a good time. He's getting his mind right to get his guys' minds right to go wreak some freaking havoc on somebody that afternoon, and that's what I want to see. That's what I want to see this uh, this fall. I want it to be back to the days of, you know, Chase Young and, and Draymond Jones and Nick and Joey Bosa and, and Tyquan Lewis and, and Sam Hubbard and, and these guys that just, just ripped the heart out of the opponent. That's what we've missed seeing out of the defensive line the last couple of years. They've got the talent. They've got the depth. I am bullish on this D-line. I know Steve Hellwagon is as well. Great stuff out of Steve Hellwagon. Thank you very much, Steve. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. We appreciate you guys very much. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.